Hello everyone, my name is Hadil, also known as Hadil Speaks, and you're listening to Miss the Point, a podcast where I'm joined by many politicians, activists, journalists, and everyday people to unpack what politics means and looks like in the 21st century. Hey guys, I am Victoria. I am a psychology major at the University of Southern California, and I post about politics on TikTok. Now, as you've heard, Victoria is an online content creator. And so I thought it would be incredibly interesting to ask you, Victoria, what have your experiences been like as an online content creator? Because obviously you witness so much of this stuff firsthand as you make your content and as you produce it and as other people consume it. Definitely. Yeah. um, You know, I've really enjoyed my time on TikTok, but um, It is tricky because um, it does feel like the algorithm perpetuates a lot of hate sometimes, you know, Um, and and I can see that even on my own end. If I post an educational video, it'll do okay. But if I stitch or duet somebody's video and debunk them or prove them wrong, you know, those perform a lot better. And so, um, yeah, I would say I love TikTok, but the algorithm definitely does kind of perpetuate a toxic environment. Yes, 100%. And I feel like this is incredibly powerful, especially in a time where loads of people are being more aware of different social issues and are feeling more empowered and compelled to speak out against injustice, inequality and oppression in our society. Social media, in some sense, kind of encourages this bigotry or this not listening to other people's opinions just because you're so stuck in your own belief systems. And so naturally I was really intrigued to see how people who consume content feel about this issue. And to find out, I put a questionnaire on my Instagram story asking my followers how they felt about reactionary movements, things like all lives matter and not all men. And the responses I got were very, very interesting. There were loads of people who said that these movements were a distraction and they just chose not to engage with them. One of the responses in particular I feel really hit the nail on the head. And they said that these are not movements at all, they're counter movements, people who are ignorant to the issues in our world and feel that if a marginalised group speak out for change, it will negatively affect them, which just isn't the case at all. And the reason I feel like it's such a great point to make is because I honestly and truly believe that these movements are born out of misinformation as well as the fact that, you know, there's a saying or the quote that goes, when you are accustomed to privilege, equality seems like oppression. When you put that together with the lack of education, this debunking and argumentative culture that we have on social media, people then choose to react instead of pausing, stopping and taking a minute to really listen and understand what the movement is really trying to combat. Oh, 100%. I agree. And um, I I think that we saw this big time recently with the whole super straight movement. You know, they were just so offended by the idea that a straight person could be in love with a transgender person, that they had to create their own fake sexuality just to make trans people feel excluded again. And so I would totally agree with what you said. I think that when you are accustomed to privilege, Um, you know, equality feels like oppression, they suddenly felt like they were on the same level as transgender people and they wanted to try and um, perpetuate that inequality that they've been kind of feeding off of for so long. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of reactionary movements, (laughs) obviously. Neither am I. I honestly feel like, you know, this podcast is called Miss the Point. And honestly and truly, I do believe nine times out of 10 reactionary movements miss the point. 
Yeah, and I feel like these reactionary movements genuinely have no objective goal other than to suppress and push down these other social movements that are taking place. We already know the business model of social media platforms and social media apps is to keep you on the application for longer. And to do this, they're obviously going to need to expose you to more content that you enjoy to keep you engaged. And what that means in the grand scheme of things is polarization in our society then increases. And that in itself is an incredibly interesting phenomenon, which is explored by two amazing Netflix documentaries, one called The Great Hack, the other called The Social Dilemma. And I strongly recommend you go check them out if you're interested in this. Yeah, it's it's really a question of whether we believe the burden falls on the creator or the platform to regulate the content and create a good environment. And I think it's it's somewhat a marriage between the two. It's a marriage between both, you know. We perpetuate the cultures that exist on social media whilst the platform exists to make sure it's monitored and it's done in a way that doesn't harm individuals or groups. What I find most interesting about you in particular, Victoria, is how open you are with the fact that you started your journey on TikTok as a very liberal creator with very liberal opinions and slowly progressed and moved towards the left. And I feel like that in itself is not something many people are willing to do, that openness and that honesty. One of the things many people have talked about on social media is the fact that even though it traps you into certain echo chambers, at times it does expose you to new information, new knowledge and educate you on topics you might not have known. However, even after that, people still stay very much entrenched in their own views. Do you think people do that intentionally or subconsciously because of how they're being fed content on the algorithm? I think that um, it, I think that it is a combination of many factors. Mm. So I think that confirmation bias to a certain extent has a lot to do with it. Mm. So someone has a certain worldview, like let's say I'm a conservative and I like Trump. So I like Trump, but I don't necessarily believe anything beyond that. I see a video that says Trump is secretly still president. Ooh, I like that. You know, I scroll and I see a video about how Biden proposed a new uh, green energy bill. I don't know. I don't like that. So I scroll. So I think that it's definitely just people's preconceived worldviews. And then the algorithm takes that and amplifies it. Mm. And then suddenly, you know, for people on the right, you know, even moderately conservative people are being fed alt-right propaganda which is incredibly terrifying in my opinion. Even when I, I had to create a new TikTok account, like just a burner account to go do something. I can't remember what I was doing. But when I started scrolling through, I was getting like conservative videos on my For You page without having liked anything. So I would say that it's definitely a combination of factors, but unfortunately I do think that TikTok might have a bias. Mm. Yeah, this idea of a bias, I think has been widely discussed on TikTok. Um, but I feel like it was confirmed when the Blackout Tuesday event happened and then TikTok actually admitted to suppressing many viewers' content. But obviously alongside the discussion and sharing of political opinions comes misinformation. And this comes from all ends of the political spectrum. How responsible do you think social media platforms are for regulating that misinformation that spreads on their platform? Oh, I would say I, I think TikTok should be held to the utmost responsibility for the misinformation that is spread on TikTok. Just because I've seen 
So many different accounts get banned. I've seen so many of my friends who post really, really amazing factual content have their accounts um, banned or have videos taken down. So if TikTok is going to be responding to hateful people who are mass reporting videos, which happens a lot, unfortunately, um, then TikTok also needs to be a lot better about um, containing misinformation, which currently they're not at all. Currently, you know, misinformation can run rampant and they don't do anything. Mm, I think social media platforms should definitely be held accountable. But that also raises the question for the people who make the content that is spread in the first place. Do you think we should also be holding creators responsible for the content that they produce? Oh, yeah. I think we should hold um, some content creators responsible too. Because I remember probably one of the maddest I've ever been on TikTok was when it was uh, post-election by like a few days and Lang Luigi, that user, I think his real name is Ben, posted a video about how, um, you know, if you didn't remember, the Michigan website had not updated their votes. So he was saying, like, according to the official Michigan website, Trump won Michigan. Like, you guys, Trump won Michigan. This is fraud, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and obviously that was causing so much chaos. This video got millions of views, hundreds of thousands of likes. And all these people suddenly believed that the election was stolen just because of him. Like, of course, they could have heard theories other, uh, like somewhere else. But there were also tons of people who thought that now just because they saw his video. So I debunked him. I proved to him that it was misinformation. I was like, you really need to take your video down. That's really irresponsible. And he was like, uh, actually, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave it up because it triggers you so much. Like, it's one of my most viewed videos. I'm not taking it down, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that you should literally lose your platform intentionally spreading that dangerous of misinformation to millions of people i just that made me so mad <laughs> oh no i completely see where you're coming from um because let's be real social media is fairly new um no actually really new and we really don't know how to regulate um what happens on social media because it's only been around for such a short time and problems are slowly cropping up on how we regulate what we regulate who do we hold accountable and so forth because what used to be your town hall is now your instagram feed or is your comment section or is your live stream and so loads of questions have to be asked about what can we do to make sure social media is both a free, but also a safe place for everyone? Oh, 100%. In terms of, you know, holding them accountable, I would say, and to people on the left, this applies to us as well, because unfortunately, misinformation and people abusing their power um, and their platform exists everywhere. You know, I don't want to get too messy, but <laughs> if you remember the the issues with Marcus, I don't know how to say his last name, Marcus De Paula on TikTok, do you know who that is? The reporter guy who always- Oh, yep, 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 yep. Talks, yep, yeah, <laughs> as soon as I, as soon <laughs> yeah. as I went like that, you know who I was talking about, yep. the guy who talks close to the camera. Um, yeah, no, there, there was a bunch of drama with him because he said um, some really terrible things about Texans when they were going through that winter storm and everyone was like, hey, that's really not okay. Um, and I think that that was a very good response. You know, he lost hundreds of thousands of followers. Unfortunately, he's still, you know, back to his old tricks posting irresponsibly and posting misinformation. But I would say if you're on the left, hold your creators accountable and hopefully mm. the right will follow. That's actually a really good point. You know, leading by example could be a great method to explore. One thing I perhaps wanted to dive into further was this, um, you know, this idea that movements like All Lives Matter and Not All Men leeching off of 
other social movements because these movements weren't born out of a need for change or a need for improvement. All Lives Matter didn't start because there were children in cages or because there were genocides happening. All Lives Matter started because people said Black Lives Matter. And likewise for Not All Men, Nobody was saying not all men until people started talking about the 97% statistic or the sexual harassment that people were facing. And so I wanted to ask you, Victoria, why do you feel like and where do you feel like these reactionary movements come from? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. So um, I, I think, first of all, you know, like what you've been saying, I, I think that a lot of people do see equality as a threat in some way. Um, I think that some people, to be frank, just want attention. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, really, you can't step back for a second and just acknowledge someone else's pain. I think that that's really frustrating. I think the large number of, um, the reason there's such a large number of people who support these kind of reactionary movements though, because I would like to believe that there's not that much hate in the world. I think a lot of it is younger kids who don't understand fully why the phrase is wrong. You know, they're able to convince these kids to say these things because they're like, hey, when you think about it, every life does matter, right? So you should say that. Or when you think about it, there are nice men in the world. So you should say not all men, you know? Um, and I, I think that a lot of really problematic uh, movements kind of feed off of like high school kids. Um, and, and try to make them push an agenda that I don't think they fully understand. Mm, I think that's incredibly powerful. And, and I, I'd piggyback off that and say, you know, when it comes to the title of a social movement, right? That's only scratching the surface. That's not a description or a whole biography on what the movement actually entails or what is trying to change. People were saying Black Lives Matter to remind society that Black Lives Matter because they're being treated as though they don't. And so when you only look at the title of a movement to judge what it's trying to achieve, I think that's very irresponsible and intellectually lazy. And then use that to push forward this whole narrative and agenda on social media, which frankly isn't true, can do so much damage in society. Yeah. And more so, I feel like they really distort discussions and perceptions in ways that are incredibly harmful. Take, for example, 17-year-old Carl Rittenhouse when he took his gun and was shooting protesters in Kenosha. That is an example of distorting a discussion to the degree which you push people to the extremes. And I think I'd go as far as saying, you know, when we have distorted discussions because of things like reactionary movements, that then excuses and allows actions like what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse to take place. So this is literally movements being born out of a need for change. We all say we want to see a good or better society. Um, and at present, many people would agree that our society needs a lot of change. But these reactionary movements are literally standing up against that change. And so the next logical question would be, do you think people are opposed to change because of their privilege or because of their internalized bias? I think that it's definitely because of both. Um, one thing that's being talked about on uh, social media a lot recently, especially with the new um, uh, Jimmy Fallon clip of Addison Rae dancing, 
um, is just a discussion of uh, white mediocre mediocrity. Am I saying that word right? Yeah. Just being <laughs> being mediocre, essentially. And this is kind of a hot take, but something I I, I think that I've witnessed um, is is just you know a lot of privileged people are worried that if we obtain equality suddenly they're going to have to work harder to be exceptional which is how it should be you know because as of right now for so many different people in marginalized groups in the U.S. Um, it, it's like uh, I don't know if you ever watched Scandal but there was a quote in it that's like you're going to have to work like a hundred times harder to get half mm -hmm. of what they have mm -hmm. this this kind of idea and so I think um, a lot of privileged people are scared of losing their privilege because that means that they're actually going to have to start trying. That's kind of my hot take of the day. I'm sure conservatives would rip my head off for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100% though. I honestly feel like as a black woman in the UK, I sometimes have to work at 110, 120%, where some people are only working at 90, 100% just to get my foot in the door or a chance. Um, so yeah, I completely, you know that hot take, spill the tea, sis, because 110%. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> and so I, I think that definitely too, though, um, then on, on the flip side, beyond just losing privilege, I think that there are a lot of bigoted people as well, unfortunately, who um, don't want to uh, see equality because they think, and, and there's actually a really interesting theory um, about the white working class man that he, you know, is maybe insecure about his class status. So he needs to put himself above other groups of people in any way that he can. And many times, and, and you know, rich white people do this as well. But oftentimes um, that comes in the form of racism, misogyny, homophobia, etc. A hundred and ten percent. I definitely agree with that. No, the information that we use and the language we use when we're discussing politics is so important because we're discussing things that impact people's lives, you know, and instead of wanting to sensationalize everything we hear on the internet, I think we need to take a step back. By all means, do that for other things, you know, but I feel like we really need to understand and bear in mind what we're talking about and the gravity of the things that we're discussing. I think that's a really important thing to 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 just really hone in on. It's like reminding people the seriousness and the weight of a lot of the topics that we're discussing. You know, when like I know that one of the, my least favorite videos um, video topics to do is sexual assault, sexual harassment. It's just hard for me to talk about. Don't like talking about it. And if I ever have someone stitch me or try to debunk me, I'll just get my comment section flooded with horrible, nasty comments. It's like, can we please take a second to remember what we're talking about here? You, you know, even if you believe, like, even if we believe two different things about how to stop sexual assault, for example, we can disagree and, and you don't have to, you know, you can keep in mind how seriousness and how touchy this topic is that you're talking about. You don't have to become such a hateful person. Yes, yes, yes. And actually, to add to that, I'd say when we take away the meaning of language and the meaning of interaction, we open up a Pandora's box of so many issues. Because if these words in isolation are already powerful, then introducing them into different contexts are going to have different effects and impacts. I think I remember watching this TikTok where a guy had a sentence and in that sentence he put an emphasis on a different word every time he read it 
And I kid you not, that changed the meaning behind the sentence every single time. And I think we need to start developing this sensitivity and humanity when we're talking about politics. We need to stop putting our right to offend ahead of our understanding of different people because at the end of the day we are having discussion about people. We're not talking about pencils and rubbers, we're talking about people and their lives. And we're discussing systems and institutions which ultimately impact these people and their lives. Yeah, and be respectful. And I think just adding to what you said, there's actually an interesting um, psychology study uh, that was done to test the meaning of words essentially. And this was specifically into um, how words can even change people's memories of certain events. So there were two groups of people. They both saw the same car accident. Group one was told, or group one was asked, how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other? Group two was asked, how fast were the cars going when they made contact with one another? Hmm. And their memories of the event changed drastically just because of that phrasing. You, you know, and that's how, um, you know, group one said that the cars were going really, really fast. Group two said that they were going much slower. And um, so once you understand that, it, it's kind of crazy how media, social media especially, uh, kind of does that to us as 100. well. 100% and I think the last thing we should be doing is acting as though creators, news outlets and, and platforms don't know what they're doing when they use certain language because we all know the power of language and the connotations certain phrases and words hold. Oh 100% and that's what's so frustrating about it is like I said people are willingly in, imprisoning themselves. It, it's back in the day I called it like the psychological removal of freedom of the press where it's, you know, that's what Trump and his following base have really done, you know, especially when he was president. He convinced his supporters that any and all information that was negative about him was fake news and could not be trusted. Mm -hmm. So he psychologically stripped them of the freedom of the press because suddenly if the press ever criticized him, it wouldn't matter because people wouldn't listen. Yeah, and I'd even go as far as saying that that's one of the main functions of a reactionary movement, purposefully manipulating different things to in pursuit of a certain agenda and it even happens on an interpersonal level on the discussions you may have or we may have with our friends you know certain language and phrasing and rhetoric that is used upholds the systems that cause injustice oppression and inequality in our society and so it's definitely something to be mindful of and with that i'd ask victoria if you had any final thoughts I don't know. I, I would just say, you know, kind of in summation with, you know, the name of the podcast and everything. If you are one of the people who, you know, shouts ALM and not all men and super straight and all of that stuff on social media, you really did miss the point. You really did just miss the point of all of those movements. Either that or you're intentionally hateful. And there's really not much I can do about that, you know? 110%. I feel like that's the key part. When it comes yeah. to social issues, read more than the headline, read more than the, yes. the movement. And yes. Don't miss the point, guys. Yes. <laughs> Diversify your, your media consumption as well. Don't get all of your information from Fox News, you know? And in the same breath, I'd say don't get all of your information from CNN either. You know, we need to be more open to having our opinions and views challenged. We need to be open and willing to having our internalized and deep biases and opinions challenged for there to be any real change or transformation in our society. 
And so with that, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's listened to this week's episode on Miss the Point. Please do go follow me on my other social media, Hadil Speaks on TikTok, Instagram and Twitter. You can also find Victoria on TikTok and Instagram on at Victoria Hammett. It will be linked in the description below. And until next week at 7.30pm on Wednesday, Hadil Speaks over and out.